Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing your services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Thanks for coming on tonight, dude. Uh, it's really good to see you, man. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear your story, and uh, I really appreciate you spreading the word around, you know, where you're from, uh, about yeah. the podcast and about what we're doing. So anyway, without any further delay, I would really love to hear from hear your story, sir. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to say, David, it's, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. I mean, I haven't actually seen you it's since 93. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's when I came back for court, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you were, yeah. 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 So um, I guess I'll start there. You and I, uh, I I lived across the street from your friend, uh, Jeff Montero. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, you know, we hung out a, a couple of times I, I remember you fondly, but I don't remember you fondly. <laughs> well, because um, I probably wasn't very like nice, nice to everybody. <laughs> no, no. The, the, the biggest memory I have uh, is the first time you came over to my house and you threw me in the pool because you got mad oh. at me. <laughs> <laughs> Did I really do that? Oh, yeah. Twice. Oh, twice. oh dude. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> if we ever see each other in the flesh again, you have per- my permission to punch me in the face. <laughs> like totally like absolutely you have my permission man yeah I, I don't know what I was doing back then I'm, it's, I'm it's sorry to interrupt you yeah no 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 worries uh I uh if I recall correctly I really deserved it because I I would egg you on um oh, okay well then I but, guess we both got what was coming to us exactly <laughs> I, um, I guess <laughs> as a matter of fact I remember <laughs> there was uh not to reminisce too much but there was one time you remember Matt Queer in the next door neighbor Yes. Um, and he had that little uh, like uh, lawn area in front of his house, and we all used to screw around right there. And uh, you and uh, you and Jeff had uh, it, this was right after the Rodney King thing. Oh shit! <laughs> and, and you and Jeff tackled me and held me down and started <laughs> started kind of you know like poking me in the chest, and Jeff spit in my face. No man, and he kept saying, he kept saying LAPD. Boom! <laughs> oh Jesus, dude. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled about it at the time, and now you know we're kids. We're, yeah, but dude, dumb. still, man. I, you know, like <laughs> sometimes kids are dicks, right? And obviously, oh, yeah. we were both a couple of dicks. Oh yeah, yeah. But, so I mean, hey, man, I apologize. It is what it is. Oh no, yeah. no, please don't, please don't. We were kids, yeah. and yeah. that's you know, 
And uh, we can't go back, and, but it's still I I don't appreciate that about my about my earlier part of my life, right? That I was kind of an asshole. I don't appreciate that about. That's me. healthy. That's so, healthy, and I appreciate yeah. that. And I appreciate I, I do appreciate the apology. Um, and and for whatever my my participation in it, I I apologize too. Um, but uh, the the story it was just average, ordinary, normal stuff until uh, until I got out of high school. And then I, I started doing crystal and crank uh, right out of high school in college. I met a girl and uh, she used to go to uh, uh, not Ayala, that other one. Um, anyway, it was in El Monte. And uh, she, uh, I, I tried, uh, I, I started doing mess with her. Yeah. And, so had uh, you been, had you been dabbling at all before that, man? Like, I did. I did. Um, you know, I, I started, I started drinking around 15, 16. That's Mm -hmm. if you remember Raven, uh, we used to go over to her place when her, when her uncle and aunt were home and we would drink up there. That's Um, right. And, and was that, was it Stella? Would Stella come to that too? I know Amber did this, this weird chick that we didn't like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember Stella. It's okay, man. Um, I, I have, like I said, hazy memories, so I apologize. Oh, it's, no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> Eric Harrity came over every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Maurice Gabriel, who never drank. Yeah. Um, he came. But uh, uh, my senior year, you know, I, I would start drinking. Uh, junior year, I was smoking weed. Um, I would, uh, I don't know if you remember, like, uh, Steve Hyman, Joel Hyman. I do. Um, Okay. Yeah. Vaguely, I, I do. Yeah. I I started I started uh, smoking weed over to their house, uh, and then yeah, the 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 quick progression to coke and meth and and stuff like that. Um, I think that was that was about it. That was all I did. I ended up uh, I ended up in uh, the Montclair Claremont Pomona area, right there off of Route sixty six. I, uh, I lived in a place there with a buddy from high school who worked at that round table pizza. <laughs> round table pizza, man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's where it really got out of control with the man. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up on the street for a year, about a year. Oh shit, brother. Um, and then my, my dad hunted me down at a hotel in, uh, in Roland Heights. And I don't know how he did it, but he found me. Um, and <clears throat> he snatched me up and he said, we're, we're shipping you out of town. Or we're going to go have you live with, uh, with your aunt and your brother and my, grand- and my grandfather, his father, out in, uh, out in St. Louis or Belleville, which is across the river from St. Louis. And uh, I got clean that way. Yeah. Um, and not for lack of trying but I, I got clean. Uh, the next decade or so, I got really involved in the church. Uh, and it started with just, a, with just a way to stay clean, really. And then it became an actual part of my life. I moved uh, from Belleville to this little town in Illinois called Vandalia. It was about... Mm, 10,000 people, maybe less. And that's the smallest place I ever lived. You know, I always lived in 
larger cities. And uh, I, uh, when I moved to Indianapolis, I moved here with a friend that I'd met in Belleville. And there was a house downtown that was a bunch of church guys. We were all under 20, or we were all about 20, about 20. And uh, we were, they were ministering to the inner city kids um, and got involved in the church that way. And I really took a, an interest in, in outreach. And um, as that began to develop and I got more involved in the church, I started to develop an interest in theology and philosophy and the, and the more abstract concepts of, of religious life. And um, my uh, the pastor at uh, the church that's actually right across the street from me now, uh, it's one of the larger churches in Indianapolis. He, uh, he took a shine into me and he said, you know, hey, look, if you want to be a pastor, I, I can make sure that happens. And he started paying for me to go to school. Wow. Um, and when I got married, he bought, they, the church bought my, my first car. They bought my wife a car. They paid off our, our debt so that we could start a marriage with, uh, with no debt. Um, the deeper I got into theology, the more I wanted to get away from being a pastor to teaching theology. Uh, so I decided I wasn't going to be a pastor anymore. I was going to be a, become a theologian. So I would need to pursue my doctorate. Mm -hmm. um, and I, the more I studied, the I, I, I started becoming interested in, in the early church fathers, you know, the guys that, that knew the apostles um, and their writings. And I, as I, I, I had a paper I had to write. Um, it was a paper I was writing on Romans 9 through 11, and I, I called up a theologian in um, uh, Steubenville, Ohio, which has a very large Catholic university, uh, the, the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and he is a Catholic convert. I had had a lot of uh, a lot of questions for him, and I ended up converting to Catholicism. Uh, my wife and I joined the Catholic Church in 2004, Easter Vigil 2004, um, and that's when the career path really opened up. Um, instead of having a having a, my pastor pay for you know a small little Bible college, now I've got the church saying hey look um we recognize your talents we recognize your ability we want to send you to the university um you know pay for a full four years i ended up getting a scholarship um and not like a five thousand dollar scholarship i'm talking like a twenty forty thousand dollar scholarship a year and that scholarship was meant for incoming 18 and 19 year olds and here i was 30 years old and they're giving it to me um so I'm, I'm saying that so that you you understand that i'm not trying to pat myself on the back necessarily but this was you know i was mm -hmm. I was i was a rising star mm -hmm. um in the interim i had injured my back and uh it was a fractured vertebrae it was the uh l5 
and uh, you know, it started with a Vicodin and uh, and some morphine, and that slowly progressed. I eventually got surgery, had an L5 S1 spinal fusion where they went in the front and then went in the back, um, and in so doing. <clears throat> it's you can see it in the MRIs now it's actually pinched the nerve it's squished the nerve uh, my sciatic nerve so I was I'm constantly in pain it's just how bad is the pain mm -hmm. um god that sounds then, like back pain that's for sure oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. I was down my leg everything yeah. oh that's wonderful um I um uh I had the surgery uh the surgery didn't really work but you know I, I had my pain meds everything was fine mm -hmm. uh eventually I got it was it was a work comp case so I, I uh, eventually got released from work comp so I had to find another doctor that would take care of the pain and unfortunately I got connected to a pain doctor here right at the start or right in the in the uh, not at the start but the uh right in the middle of the big opiate epidemic mm -hmm. um god you guys are getting hammered down there man oh brother. like we we know it's bad up here like we have we have more than one death a day in our province um from overdose but i i know how big it is down there it's just oh. it's astronomical it's ridiculous yeah um, but, I'm, man. I'm gonna give you an example yeah <laughs> um i was when i stopped seeing her i was being prescribed three 200 milligram morphines every day mm -hmm. uh three 90 or three 30 milligram roxies every three to four hours so mm -hmm. that's 90 milligrams of oxycodone every yeah. three to four hours and how long were you um, doing that for man about six months jesus man oh and i'm not done <laughs> oh god yeah um, but like just that alone is enough to create a chemical dependency right like, oh yeah Oh, yeah. that that six month period on all that heavy dope man wow yeah wow yeah um if you want i can tell you the, the rest that i was on yeah, well it's up to you man i don't want to i keep interrupting your story because i just i, I i'm no. my brain's realizing as you're talking that the difference in our geography makes yeah. a huge difference in whether or not you a person has a, a good chance right like right geography right. plays a role and and you, you real quick uh two twenty two ten milligram norcos every three to four hours plus 1600 micrograms of fentanyl yeah uh, the uh the lollipops oh. every four hours Jesus, man. um for back pain yeah and you know some of that shit's black box now you can't oh, get yeah. it unless you're you know in stage three cancer yeah um yeah wow and, man, and no wonder so many people died eh yeah yeah no, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. Now I'm in Indianapolis and the, the epicenter, the, the really the start of not, maybe not necessarily start, but where the heart of it was for such a long time was South and Central Ohio. Mm. It's right across the border from us. Oh, and, cool. you know, it just slowly started creeping and I happened to get one of those docs. Um, that's where I got my taste for it. That's where I got my, my, uh, and, and what's crazy is I quit cold turkey. I was done for two years off of all that shit. One night, um, I I couldn't afford to go anymore because I'd lost my insurance because, of mm -hmm. course, I was so doped up. I lost my job. Um, 
and uh, I started, uh, I, I was still in pain, but uh, I couldn't see the doctor anymore and I had to quit cold turkey. And for two years, it, it's funny, I didn't even realize, I knew I was withdrawing, but I didn't realize I was withdrawing, if that makes sense. Uh, I knew I, I was it. having a reaction to coming off. I didn't realize that it was opiate withdrawal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, so I was still looking for a job. I was still going for job interviews, sick as all hell. Um, my my ex-wife was making me sleep on the couch because the restless legs were so bad that it was keeping her up at night. And I, I really didn't understand what was happening, not physiologically at all. Yeah. I just knew I felt like shit. Yeah. Um, it was hard to put it together until you've been there, right? Really, really yeah. it is. Um, and then came uh, the real kicker. Uh, two years later, I... I was actually seen as my personal physician because at the time, you know, they didn't have Suboxone clinics like they mm -hmm. have now. Mm -hmm. They had a few addiction doctors that you could go to for Suboxone and you had to pretty much wait in line. Mm -hmm. um, and the chances of finding one within 50, 60 miles was slim because mm -hmm. they could only accept so many patients. Patients, yeah. And uh my personal doctor my my pc was actually um was actually one of those addiction doctors so he refused flat out refused to, to prescribe me um any kind of opiates until i hurt my back mm -hmm. and when i hurt my back he i even said to him you know don't you have a problem prescribing these to me i mean you know my history and he said well i'll prescribe them to you you know for when you need them and you need them Mm -hmm. so, okay and it's dangerous <clears throat> man yeah uh once again got back on the hydros and um then uh i'll never forget i'll never forget leaving his office that day i had to go pick up my son my my oldest son from from daycare and on the way there it kicked in and it was just like oh i remember this you know i had two years without it and yeah. You know, it's like starting over yeah. and holy it's like cow. getting kissed by God all over again. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I even remember I was, I called my ex-wife on, on the, she was my wife at the time. I called her on my, on the cell and I'd said, wow, I remember now I remember why I like these so much. Yeah. And you know, that should have set, sent off warning bells, but. Well, I'm did. sure it did, but they were unheated. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because it and, felt too good, man. It was too oh, good. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It made you personable. It made, you know, yeah. everything started making sense. And, oh, what a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> what a hot mess indeed, man. Yeah. <laughs> well um, said. <laughs> then um, I, I I started my, my uh, that, that doctor put me on kind of like a small maintenance dose for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, while we were trying to figure out what to do. And I was legit in it to figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, I knew I'd have to get off him one day. I just figured he'd help me lean. Well, his wife ended up getting cancer. So I got switched mm -hmm. to another doctor. And this doctor has no idea about my, about my past. Um, and he hears, oh, you're still in pain? Well, here, how about we switch to Percet? Mm -hmm. And why don't we put you on some oxys? 
And you got to remember, this is this is your regular doctor. This is the yeah. guy you see for the flu. This is the guy you see, you know, when you got a bad time. It's your GP, um, right? Yeah. Um, and it was like the perfect shitstorm. Um, that happened. And within, I think, a month of that, uh, my dad passed away all of a sudden. And nobody saw that coming. Nobody oh, saw it coming. Um, Sorry, man. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I uh, He was living in Seattle. So I flew out to Seattle. And I don't know if you remember being in my house. Um, it was immaculate. Vaguely, um, man. Vaguely. Yeah. And it had to vacuum the floors every day, had to dust every day, you know, and I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just mm. saying that's, that was my dad. You know? Yeah. And that's how it was. Yeah. When I got to his place, it, oh my God. Um, you could tell just by how everything was, he was depressed. Um, I won't go into detail, but it was, it was, have you, have you seen Hoarders? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, and not I've been a social worker for a long time. So okay, I've been in so some pretty bad houses. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And by bad, I just mean like very much hoarders. Right. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Not the hoarding, but the mess. Yeah, um, that's right. And he had, uh, he, he, I did, Oh my God. It destroyed me to see, you know, this, this icon, this, this guy that I had on a pedestal. Cause by this time my dad and I were friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and just to see that and all i could think of was god why didn't you call me you know and so when i the when i got back home i was just in a funk i was just doing bad and then a week and a half later my wife walked out on me and the kids oh jeez, um and the kids yeah my, yeah my oldest son was four my youngest was a year and a half and you know i didn't have time to recover from my dad's death when suddenly not only am i having to deal with you know my, my, my wife hooking up with other people but um also taking care of these two youngsters one is an essentially an infant and the other one's a toddler <sighs> and uh that's heavy dude yeah I, and it's not like and and that and it's not like I could cry every day. It's not like I could cry for eight hours after I got home from work. And, you know, I was still going to work full time and I was still going to school full time mm -hmm. and taking care of the kids and, and dealing with my dad's death and dealing with my, my wife leaving. Um, so the only way that I could maintain was to take more pills because mm -hmm. that was the only thing that kind of numbed everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, six months later, I get a, I got a text while I'm at work that says, I picked up the kids from your babysitter. I'm moving in with my new boyfriend. I'm taking the kids with me. You can see them once every two weeks on weekend. Wow. And um, <sighs> that sucked. Jeez, man, no uh, doubt. So now I get to go home and the house is empty. I get to go home, back to the home that had all those memories. <clears throat> and now it's empty. Mm. Um. So that, that, that really blew. And then, uh, and so of course started taking more pills and then I, 
because I was taking more pills. And, and at the same time, my, my doctor was sympathetic. He knew what was going on. So he was, you know, well, here, how about some Xanax too, you know, and the anxiety, (laughs) right? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're tired. How about some Adderall? Yeah. Um, so all these pills are building up on each other. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I'm not putting two and two together. And then six months later, you know, because I'm on all these pills and because I'm dealing with all this shit, I lose my job. And this is happening right during the housing crisis. So guess what I lost next? I lost my house. And the only thing that I could fall back on was opiates. And by that time, by the time I lost my place, uh, that's when I discovered heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could get that a lot easier than I could buy buy pills because the the DEA was really cracking down on pills by then. Um, and uh, so I bounced around from house to house, and um, you know, I got clean by. Uh, I found a, uh, a a way that I didn't have to buy pills and I didn't have to buy heroin. And I won't say what it is because I don't want people thinking, oh, that's all I got to do. Um, but I figured out a way that's sort of legal um, to make sure that the, the, uh, the sickness doesn't come back in. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to stop me from getting heroin when I can, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, and... Then uh, in the years past, uh, people in the know, or I lost all my friends. I have got one friend left. That's that's from that time period. Because um, when I was going through all that, all my friends scattered like cockroaches. I couldn't fucking believe it. You know, here I am. I'm, I'm there for everybody else, and everybody else can't be there for me. And then on top of that, um, you know, the church is starting to say, "Well, you need to get your shit together." Um, and by the way, you need to, you know, you're the head of the household. You need to get your family back together. Mm-hmm. And because the well, the way the law is here, since I was a good Christian guy and I wasn't going to declare divorce because I didn't declare divorce, I couldn't, I had no legal recourse to get my kids back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're basically in like a purgatory, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so what else do I have? You know, just get high. That's it. Um, I, uh, uh, about a year into it, I was, I was really bad off. Uh, not as bad as I eventually got, but I was really bad off. And um, Christine, you remember Christine? Uh, yeah, I remember Christine, man. Poor, poor girl. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Um, I miss she her, was man. A, she was a, yeah. She was a saint, man. She was yeah, she was good person. shit ever talked to me about recovery first person ever ever um Mm -hmm. i just happened to contact her on facebook and we uh we were instant messaging and she was you know giving me the good news of you know hey man you can get clean you can yeah and i i I wasn't really in a position to understand that at the time Mm -hmm. um you know i knew it was a problem i just didn't realize it was a problem yeah um but I, I owe it to her and in her memory, I want to say that, mm. that I owe it to her for introducing me to the concept of recovery. Yeah. Um, and for that, I will always be indebted to her. Yeah. <clears throat> that's fair. And I've, I've, uh, it, it got, 
it, eventually uh, I wasn't using heroin anymore, but uh, this fucking douche, I, I'd always, I told him, you know, don't, you don't put an opiates in front of an opiate addict. And I'll be damned. One day he comes in and, you know, I've been doing coke every once in a while, but he comes in and he literally throws a bag of heroin down in front of me at work. And I, I was telling him off and I could, you know, I could have walked away. I'm not blaming him for my use, but um, he, he said, well, I can always take it back. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Once it's down. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Take it back. <laughs> so that's when I started using heroin again. Mm. And uh, then this, uh, I met this girl at work and I started seeing her. And she started doing it. And uh, now I'm not only paying for my habit, I'm paying for somebody else's habit. Um, which now it, now it became, and it was out of control before, but now it became completely out of control. Now it was all about finding, finding a way, you know. Um, as much as I'd like to think, and even now, you know, your own addict brain starts things. You had it under, under control up until then. No, no, I lost control the first time I took it. Yeah. Um, and I and I mean back in 2004. I get um, it. And uh, I, uh, I had, you know, I wasn't working at the time, so I had to find any fucking way I could to to make money. And shit started going really downhill. And uh, I tried to get into recovery. I didn't want to go into treatment. I didn't want to, I, I didn't know how to look for treatment, really. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear horror stories from, from local people, you know, especially, especially people who are relapsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it doesn't work. See, I'm relapsing. Yeah. But it, you know, you come to find out that really it's, it's about giving something a chance. Um, yeah, there are shitty places. Don't get me wrong. For sure there are. But um, there's all, there also has to be that absolute desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I started going to see a recovery doctor. Uh, I was paying for me to go. I was paying for her to go. I, I was paying for meds. And But that first night that I went, um, she came over because my dumbass, you know, pill popper, you think, oh, you take more to feel good. Not with smoxing, man. <laughs> uh, I kicked myself into precipitated withdrawal. I took like four in one night. Oh my god! Oh my god! Wow. Um, and she came back to the house with me. She made sure I was comfortable, uh, and then she left. And um, she she came back over the house one more time after that. So when I tried to get into recovery, she she boned out, and you know, uh, you're in love. So you're just like, okay, well, I'll keep using with you. Um, and then she ended up stealing from me like a lot. And, uh, I, you know, I, I stopped it then, but I was still out of control. Uh, now it wasn't just, uh, I'm paying for two people. Now it's, I can still make enough for two people, but now it's online. And, um, I mean, it, it, Dave, it got so bad uh, to make extra money. I used to drive for Uber and Lyft. 
and I would not get out of the car for 18 hours at a time. It got so bad that I ended up getting a blood clot in my left leg. When I went into the hospital, in the emergency room, they were trying to convince me to stay, but you know, as a heroin addict, you're thinking, fuck no, dude. Um, yeah. And uh, they said, they told me, you don't understand, a big blood clot's this big. Yours goes from your ankle all the way to your groin. Jesus. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> one blood clot. Yeah, it was oh, God. Wow. Um, they rotored me out twice, uh, two different hospital stays. And uh, I uh, still didn't get the message. You know, that my addiction was literally killing me. Yeah. Um, and by that point, I didn't care. By that point, I was looking forward to it. You know, it even says in the basic text that we not necessarily actively looking to, to off ourselves, but... Mm -hmm. You want it, you don't want to be around you don't want to exist anymore and yeah you're hope we're hoping for it to happen right like oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i used to say i don't want to kill myself i just want to atomize i want to become one with the universe in other words i just want my atoms to disperse it's all i mean it's all i want and uh and of course uh i i didn't go into treatment but i was i was sort of open to it and uh I, uh, but I, I, I was so miserable that I just kept going through the, going through the, the, um, oh, hell, it was habit. It was a ritual, you know, every day, wake up, yeah. get, feel a little bit off, go, get, go hunt down money, go get dope. Um, and, uh, then it was like January or February. And that's when I called you for the first time, uh, of last year. And yeah, well, no, I texted you. Yeah, I texted yeah. you. And I yeah. said, you know, hey, you know, I had I, I was just bullshit and you just, hey, do you remember me? Blah, blah, blah. And and it it took for it took forever, as I recall, for me to get around to, are you in recovery? And I felt I felt bad for asking you because I was just like, oh, you know, he must be embarrassed to tell me. And you know, oh, and God, now I no. know. I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I could see how daunting that would be, man. We hadn't yeah. seen each other for a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, that was I, such an know. incredible call for you. Like, what a, what a good decision, man. Well, thank not, you. not that it was me, but if it was anyone, right? Like reaching out for help right. is a good decision. Yeah. And I, and I, and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. It, it was, uh, I, I, I avoid Facebook like the plague that it is. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I just a plague. Totally. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was the name Freedom's Path Recovery or something, but there was some, for some reason, I associated that with you. And I did notice just from your online presence, you were different, bro. You mm. were, you are not the same Dave I remember. Oh, I'm so um, glad to hear that, man. So glad. Yeah. When, yeah. when I first, when I first friended you, I just thought, uh, I'll just do this just, just because, you know, I've got Jeff as a friend, I've got Hag mm -hmm. as a friend. You know, I'll, I'll include him too, but you know, there was something fundamentally different about you, um, that it, while I was still in active addiction, I wanted to avoid quite frankly, mm -hmm. um, because you kind of reminded me of what, what could be, but it reminded me of what I got to do to get there. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, from my first experience with, with a recovery doctor, Mm -hmm. That was a negative experience, man. Um, yeah. And I didn't want to have to go through that again.
So, uh, Fuck, man, I, like, honestly, I can't get over the fact that you did like actually call me. Like I, I just, it, it's, as you're talking about it, it's blowing me away, man. Cause you didn't know me from Adam really right. anymore. Right. right. Like, right. And the last you knew me was a giant dickhead who was poking you in the chest. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. With, exactly. and of course we all know that Montero is a bad influence. Like obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously he was, he was the bad influence. I'm just kidding. It's that's so funny. Hey, yeah. Obviously, I'm just going to blame him. Right, right. That's easy to do. It was, it was Jeff's fault for sure. Right. I mean, you, you got to anybody that's got a fucking bubble gum pink low rider truck. Oh my god, hey! I never got to see his truck, man. I think oh, I I saw man. pictures of it, and that was it. Thing yeah. was atrocious, bro. <laughs> well, see his his car. His first car was he bought it off of me when I moved. He oh, bought okay. my my first car was a, a Trans Am. I can't remember what year it was, but it was my dad bought it off a friend of his from the church. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved, I sold it to Jeff or or we gave it to Jeff. I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, it was I don't so I never got to see his bubblegum truck. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard stories though. We we were we were riding around in it when just to digress here for a second, yeah. um, or to go on a tangent. Um, we drove down to uh, where uh, the the movie theater was over there mm -hmm. by that Alpha Beta and the and the Rite Aid or whatever the hell it was. The yeah, place that sold the be, ice cream. Yeah, um, I used to, well, that's where I worked, man. It was no uh, I think it was Thrifties at one point yes. with the ice cream, 50s. and I worked there. And oh god, man, I uh, I went back there the first time I went back to California. I went back there to make amends because I I. I uh, had stolen many, 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 many items from them. And uh, it was, it was heavy on my mind, right. To go there right. and it wasn't there anymore. So it oh, was like, already closed it. yeah, it was like one of those um, miracles, right? Like I went, <laughs> I was, I was willing, but I didn't have to do a damn thing. So sometimes I think willingness is enough, right? Like, um, right, right. Because right, you fair. can't control that shit. No, I mean, no, it was 20 years later. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. It's a shame that that place closed too, because that was the very first place my dad took me when we cut, when we showed up in California was to buy ice cream oh, yeah? there. And oh, so yeah. I was kind of bummed. That is a bummer, man. But yeah, um, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump all over that no, there. Man. No, no, don't. You're bringing up so many memories, buddy. That's I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. But uh, we went down there to go to the warehouse music and um, <laughs> he, he hadn't put the air back in his truck to lift it back up and we got stuck on one of the fucking speed bumps in the parking lot <laughs> oh, shit. oh man that's tough we had eh? to get some random strangers to come and lift the back yep lift the back up to get it over. over oh that's a seriously low truck dude oh it was, oh, it was terrible oh my I, god and it's funny because we don't have like super a lot of super low riders up here uh -huh. obviously because we have like snow and ice right, and, right. and shit um so every time i see one though it just takes me back to california i miss oh, yeah. i miss the just watching the sparks as people pull up off the, yes. yeah yeah <laughs> hearing it scrape yeah yeah hearing it scrape but anyway um i uh i uh when i called you in uh february or whatever i remember i was sitting in a cbs parking lot and i was just distraught and i mean fucking distraught um 
Um, it started with a text. It started with just us texting and then you called. Or I asked you, is it cool if I call? And you were like, yeah, man, yeah. And you and I talked about it. And um, I don't remember getting much out of the conversation, at, but I did get, hey, look, you know, you can call me whenever. You can call me whenever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a couple of weeks later that I had uh, I had texted you. And, and this is a problem that I have. And that is, I because of all those experiences prior, you know, losing the wife, friends bailing, you know, all that shit that I went through and nobody was there. Nobody, everybody fucking left. Nobody wanted to hear my shit, you know? And, and the worst thing was I actually had somebody tell me, well, people don't want to be around you because, you know, it's just depressing. Oh, fuck yeah, it's depressing. Yeah, man. How, I mean, how do you, I, I, I'm dreaming about it. I can't even escape it in my fucking sleep. And, uh, but I just figured, you know, I don't deserve real treatment because my trauma is not as bad as anybody else's, you know, as everybody else's. Cause it's, you know, my wife left me, you know, my kids are gone. My dad died. I lost my house. I lost my job. What's that? All of those things incredibly traumatic. Yes. I know that now. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you found out the hard way what we're talking about. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I actually texted you. I texted another friend from high school, Holly, Holly Fletcher. Uh, she was in my class. I vaguely uh, remember the Fletcher, Holly Fletcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, some names she, are just, she's been, she's, she's been, she's been there from the get. I mean, she's been yeah. there for me. Um, she's talked me down off the ledge many times. Um, but out of respect for her, there was one night, and this is the, this is the kind of the night that did it. Um, out of respect for her, I didn't want to talk to her on the phone because I had, uh, if you remember this, I had a line sitting in the seat right next to me. Yeah, I do. And, I remember uh, you were talking to me. Yeah. That's when you were talking told, to me, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I, told, I told her, hey, look, out of respect for you, I'm just not going to do it with you on the phone. I'm going to get off. And I literally had just picked it up. I'd been texting you. You called out of the blue. Um, and I even told you, oh man, I, I didn't mean for you to call. I'm, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like I said, I'm, I'm you know, what are my problems? Cause you're fine. Yep. When I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, no, dude, it sounded like you, you were in trouble. It mm-hmm. sounded like you needed somebody. And I'm getting kind of choked up thinking about that because me too, man. You know, I am too. Here's an addict who knows mm-hmm. who can read the signs reaching out to another addict. And I told you, hey, dude, my back's hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm starting to I'm starting to withdraw. I've got this line right next to me. And you said, do what you need to do. And that blew my doors off. I remember coming home from that, from that conversation after getting off the phone with you and sitting at the table, just dumbfounded. Cause I mean, I even told my mom, even I didn't tell my mom shit about my addiction. Um, and it, it was, you had told me, Hey, look, you're sick. You've got a disease right now it's your medicine Mm -hmm. 
And until you can get a hold, you know, get get something else for your disease, you know, get get into treatment, whatever. Um, I'm no, I'm not gonna judge you for that. I'm not gonna judge you for wanting to be okay. Yeah, man. And uh, when we got off the phone, what you said to me, the last thing you said to me was, "Just make sure you're safe." Nobody ever said that to me before. Not in not when it came to my my addiction. Nobody ever said, "You know, I just want to make sure you're safe." Yeah, man. That meant that meant everything. Dave. The next day is when I actually started looking into treatment programs, mm-hmm. uh, and uh but you know i'm still i'm still an active addiction I'm still seeking my shit out every day so it didn't really happen i don't know if you remember the next time you heard from me i texted you and said i had a stroke i'm in mm-hmm. the hospital and i had a stroke that's right um when and they were not gonna let me go they mm-hmm. they in the er you know i told them fucking i'm, I'm out but they said, okay, that's cool. We'll call security. And uh, they were not going to let me go. And mm-hmm. so I had to admit, look, I'm an addict. And they told me, look, hey, we're going to make sure you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, funny thing is, I never took the Suboxone while I was in there because I was still getting dope. Yeah. Because um, an addict's going to find a way. Always. But, um, but they'd set me up an appointment for an addiction specialist uh but it was like a month and a half away and uh i remember talking to you after you know there was that month and a half and then i i talked to you when before i went to the doctor and you were like right on man i'm glad you know you're doing the right thing and i talked to you when i left the doctor and that was i'm fucking done I don't know what to do because they told me we're not going to see new patients. You waited a month and a fucking half and you weren't going to see new patients. That's cool. And you were on my ass. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Whatever you do, don't stop. And I don't know if you remember the trouble I had finding treatment. Holy shit. Oh, you were going you, through it, man. Oh my God. Yeah. One center after another. Yeah. Was, nope. Nope. You know, the place across the street, we were down the street from me. They weren't, they, nope. They wouldn't take me because I couldn't afford it. They wouldn't give me a scholarship because I wasn't living on the streets. Uh, another place, they weren't taking my insurance. Another place, they weren't taking the insurance. Oh my God. And you knew I was trying, man. And I couldn't believe it. I was just thinking, dude, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm compelled to be here. I'm begging you for help. Mm-hmm. And and you and my mom were the ones that were just don't stop, just don't stop. And um, I remember seeing my primary care, care physician uh, and I told him about the, that whole ordeal. And he said, well, it looks like they had uh, recommended you to a, a treatment facility, an outpatient treatment facility. I never got told that. Nobody ever told me. Um, and the place that he told me they recommended me to was a place that my ex-girlfriend was going to who was still in active addiction. So, of course, I'm thinking, well, that place doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and I were talking at the time, and uh, she said, hey, look, you should go. 
you know, as long as you do their program, it'll work. It'll work. And, um, and I went and I'll be down here now. And what's funny is I probably would have relapsed. Uh, the doctor was kind of dickish. He told me later that he's like that because he said, you, after you lose a couple hundred people, you stop yeah. giving a shit about people's feelings. It's yeah. really, yeah, it must be really hard for them. I mean, yeah. and to start with doctors are distant anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like right. to start right. with, they're not the most like friendly people anyway. Yeah. And, and the doctors I've known have not exactly made the best decisions. Yeah, I shouldn't um, say friendly. I should say empathetic and compassionate. Those are go. the words I was looking for. That's 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 more apt. That's more appropriate. Um, and but what's funny about him is that he was so kind of standoffish. The mm -hmm. second time I saw him, he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you go to in treatment." Mm -hmm. And by that time, I was you know I'd I'd only been going for two days, but you know I know everything. Fuck. Mm -hmm. um, and, he, and I was just opposed, just absolutely opposed. I said, nope, 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 it's not going to happen. And he flat out said, you're going to relapse. You are going to relapse and you're going to end up back on the streets, blah, 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 blah. I was so pissed when I left that appointment. And on the way home, I was thinking to myself, fuck you, I'm going to use, you know, fuck you. But then I realized, no, wait a minute, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going <laughs> to get clean just to fucking spite you. <laughs> mm. Right on, man. Spite's a powerful motivator at times. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Especially and, for us spiteful humans. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and for at least, at least the first two weeks, it was straight up spite, you know, fuck mm -hmm. you. Look, I'm doing it. And, uh, but what's cool is that if I had gone into treatment, the cool things that happened within those two weeks never would have happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember exactly what all happened, but uh, it was, it was like that life started, life was different. The anxiety mm -hmm. was gone. Uh, the, uh, that, that constant dread of waking up every morning, um, that constant dread of going to sleep every night. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you know what's going to happen the next day. That was all gone, bro. It was all gone. And um, after the, once the, the two week period was up, I th that's when I realized, holy shit, there's something to this, man. Mm -hmm. There really, really is. And that's when I got into contact with you again, you know, to say, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm now clean. And at least for a couple of weeks, and mm -hmm. things are looking up. You know, I, I, uh, I, was getting a haircut and you know I was taking care of my just taking care of myself mm -hmm. and I'd never take you know with the strokes and the, and the uh, blood clot and everything I, I was supposed to be on medicines and I was never taking them and now I take them religiously because something he did say really mattered to me um, I was convinced towards the end of my active addiction, I was convinced, and I, I was probably right, I had less than five years. I had less than five years left. And I didn't give a shit. You know, the faster it got done with, you know, great. Yeah, faster the better, right? Right. But he, at the time I was 44, and he said, uh, he, just an offhanded comment, he said, man, you got your, whole, you got half your life ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And it, 
dawned on me driving away from that appointment. Oh my God, that's another 44 years. But, you know, I've got to take care of myself. Um, and so I, I started to, I started, I started taking on the med. I take them religiously. Um, you know, uh, I started eating better. I, uh, as a matter of fact, when I, when I first started seeing him, I was on, I was on Lispro, which is insulin, which is a rapid acting insulin. And I was on 54 units of a long acting insulin. Um, I'm now down to 38 and until, until really the holidays hit and I started eating like shit again. Um, I was off the Lispro. I was off the rapid acting. I didn't need to take oh, it anymore. Right on. Um, and, uh, the, the hematologist for the blood clots was like, dude, you're rocking it. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started working out, started talking to you about, you know, OMAD and, um, fasting and yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that was because now I could devote my time to this comprehensive life change. Yeah. I, my, my counselor tells me that he said, you know, I really, I really like your attitude about this because you're, you're not just using your recovery as just a way to get clean. You're not just getting off drugs. You're using your recovery as a tool to change your entire life. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I, yeah, this is, you know, I finally got the opportunity to mm-hmm. actually start again. Yeah. And I can, cause I can see not just the future, but a future, mm-hmm. just something I didn't see before. Yeah. So I got motivated and, Fucking a yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's, uh, it's crazy. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Because just like I could tell that day you, you, you were having a hard time. I started to notice your messages were of the opposite, not having as hard a time. Right. Like, and, yeah, it's fucking, it's amazing, dude. And to be able to hear you talking along the way about how you're enjoying the process as well is oh, yeah. unbelievable, man like uh, unbelievable right you're probably in awe of yourself <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure you are because like that's a life change you said fundamental life change i think yeah right and yep. you're absolutely right man like we're you're changing the landscape of your brain dude yeah. that's what you're doing right yeah and that's pretty it's pretty cool man oh hell yeah it is. <laughs> hell yeah it is yeah um i uh yeah you know i um uh actually um i was i was i had written it down somewhere because i wanted to remember it oh that's it um i had uh oh fuck never mind um the uh the 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 other thing that uh helped was you and my counselor both had said you should start taking you you know you should start considering going to meetings Mm -hmm. um well i already built my support network you know Mm -hmm. i i had you i was talking to every once in a while i had a buddy that i was talking to and my counselor and i was going to my i'm still going to my 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 programs and uh uh had my ex-girlfriend who got clean relatively the same time um she got clean five days or she got into recovery five days more than before me. I think I told you that she sent me a picture of her coin. Yeah. Um, That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it really was. But 
you know, I, there's no, I, I didn't need to go to meetings. You know, that's for, that's for real junkies. You know, that's, yeah, that's for guys like me, man. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I don't know if anybody remembers this movie, but clean and sober from Michael Keaton. Uh, oh, I had. Yeah. You know what? That movie, man, they show it in treatment up here. Different sure. treatment centers. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, anytime I think of meetings, I think of that. And I think of the, sterile kind of linoleum floors with the fluorescent lighting and there's no oh my god yeah. there's no way i do that and that's the well, and, and if you go to a meeting in a hospital that's what you get Oof. yeah i know i know man. <laughs> oh, that hurts. yeah especially if you go to a hospital where the meetings are off of the psych ward right it's very <laughs> it's very haunting man i'm not gonna lie to you oh, but it's man. telling right it's very yeah. haunting and very telling as to what what we're doing to ourselves by continuing right and what we think and and yep. and that's that, and that's one of the things that that kept me uh in active addiction is that fear of the stigma of of what my counselor calls earth people mm -hmm. you know the, the everyday citizen it's not earth a disease people. it's a moral <laughs> failure yeah right i love that yeah i love um, that too man and uh, i've never heard that before so i'm gonna i'm probably gonna change it maybe call people earthlings yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as opposed to us being alien, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, but you know, one of the things that I thought too was, and this this went for recovery programs. Period was, and and I've noticed, I I know a lot of addicts that, you know, well they don't understand my plight. They they don't you know this program can't work for me because it's different for me. It's you know, but there's. And the way that I I would tell people uh, and have told people since then is, look, you're not a tulip in a field full of dandelions. Mm -hmm. You're not the one special person. It, it's not going to work for a million, you know, thousands of people. But you're the one case that that it can't work for. Yeah. Uh, because you're you're special and that terminal uniqueness. Hey, terminally unique. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's such a great saying. Terminally it really is, unique. man. It, it does suit us so pretty true. good too. So so true. What was yeah. that? It suits us like that. Oh, that that yes. uh, the whole yes. idea of terminal uniqueness is like what we walk through the doors with, right? When we first come in, it's like I am this unique butterfly, snowflake, whatever it is. Yep. And I am not one of you. I am not that <laughs> dude right there. That's that right. Dude needs to be here. That's I right. Don't. Right. I'm here yeah. because I just want to check it out. Right, right, right. <laughs> that and look at him. Look, look at the way yeah. he look at the, you know, look what he's wearing. Look at his hair. Look, mm -hmm. he hasn't shaved in like six days. That's the dude that needs to be here. Yeah. Now, God forbid I look at a picture of myself when mm -hmm. when I was in active addiction, because I'd look at that dude and I'd be like, wow, that dude needs to be here. <laughs> yeah, that dude needs some help. Yeah, we'd be looking yeah. at him. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why I'm so. And not not necessarily because I'm, uh, you know, at the height of vanity or anything like that. But that's why I'm trying to take care of myself a bit more. Is because that I'm not that anymore. You know, I'm my my. I'll never forget my my youngest son showed me a picture of a guy, just impeccably dressed. Um, it was for a cologne ad, because my little one's into colognes and so am I. Um, just impeccably dressed, and he said that reminds me of you and i was i thought oh shit um wow that's that's a lot to live, live up to yeah. but when i when 
well, I, you know, I asked him because I said, I don't dress like that all the time. And he said, mm-hmm. but that's the way you present yourself. And I thought, well, damn, maybe I need to start, yeah, representing what I'm presenting, you know? Absolutely, man. There's, and there's something to that, right? Yeah. The more you take care of yourself, the better you feel about yourself. And well, and the better you feel about yourself, the more you're going to take care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah, man. And the funny thing is, is that it doesn't, it's not like you start off with the victory. Yeah. And it it was when I started understanding the small victories, um, you know, calling and making a fucking doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. taking my medicine for the day. God, those are um, tiny victories for sure. Yes. Yeah. They and essential ones. To add up. Yeah. yeah. And those little endorphin and dopamine uh, sensors that are overloaded, they start getting the little kick of, yeah. you know, I took a shower. Holy shit. You know, I clipped my nails. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And you, those habits begin to form. And uh, anyway, I did. Uh, that support net, that support network, that little yep. itty bitty support network that I that I built. Mm-hmm. You and my counselor kept telling me, you really ought to go to meetings. You really ought to go to meetings. And I never, never understood why. Uh, and we're just jerks. We just wanted to say it yeah. for no reason. We're just yeah. jerks. You guys keep plugging <laughs> this thing, dude. Don't yeah. you see? I've got it under control, bro. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> And I've never said it before, I assure you. I've got it under control. Don't worry about this fire here. This is my fire. I'm fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> it won't spread. We're good. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, and, and I, 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 I didn't ask you, but I did ask my counselor, why the hell do you keep pushing this? Because um, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. I've got my support network. And he said, because it never hurts to have more support. And he, you know, when, when I was talking to my addiction specialist, uh, she said, I really appreciate the fact that you've been building a support network. Um, and she, she was the one that told me, it's like making a down payment. The bigger the down payment you make, the easier the payments are, are, are to make. And like we know, rent is due every day. Every day. Um, but right around, right after Thanksgiving, my support network started failing. Uh, I couldn't meet up with my buddy. Um, I was gonna come on. The, I was gonna come here, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, God bless Darcy. I, I, I hope everything's okay. Uh, yeah, things but, have really started to balance out there. So yeah. Okay. Good. All yeah, right. it's really nice to see because they went through so much shit for a bit there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I know, man. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, my the, my ex disappeared. Since I haven't heard from her since December 9th. Wow. Um, Hopefully she's okay, man. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear I, you. I think so. I, I've gotten word that she is, oh. but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know firsthand. Um, it's tricky until you talk to them firsthand. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. right. It's exactly yeah. right. Uh, I have it from a good source, I should say. I don't want to get them in trouble by saying No, it. no. No, it, no, for sure. No but, need to. Uh, then um, I uh, also uh, 
my counselor. You know, I was meeting with him once a week, and then he had a family emergency. His his poor wife, she. Um, uh, well, I don't want to get into this, but um, they're 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 okay. Right, but, on. glad know, they're okay. The uh, so I I couldn't talk to him for a couple of weeks, hmm. and this is around the holidays, bro. And you know, addicts and holidays, it's oil and fucking water. It's a rough time of year, man. Yeah, yeah. That's um, why it's my one of my busiest times of year. No shit. Is November, December, January. Yeah. Um, and like I said, all of this was happening right around my birthday, December 16th, right around Christmas. And just for shits and giggles. So my whole support network failed. And just for shits and giggles, because I was feeling really low one night, uh, I thought, okay, I'll go to a meeting. And when I looked at the clock, it was 12 o'clock. And I thought, fuck. Or it was like t- 10 after 12. Um, and I thought, fuck, I, I, great. Now I got to wait another hour. I'm fucking tired. But I found one meeting, one meeting at 1215 my time, 915 their time. And, uh, you know, I'm going to plug them. It's NA it, it, group in uh, Spokane. Uh, NA means necessary. And uh, I've been plugging away over there, too. So hopefully somebody's going to hear it. Um, I, I, I appreciate all that, man. It's, and I'm I was obviously, I appreciate more than anything is that you found some connection in the rooms. Like, Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Those people are my family. I mm-hmm. fucking adore those people. I really, really do. Yeah. And isn't that wild, man? Hey, it like, really a, is. cause they're you know, not even anywhere not, near you. Right. <laughs> and and yeah. it's cra- crazy. The first night that I went there, I hear one guy and he's, who's now my sponsor, you know, he said, he said, uh, uh, you know, I want, if you, if this is the first time in the rooms, if you, you know, if you're coming back from a relapse, I want you to know, I love you. I love you. And you are the reason I'm alive. And, um, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And of course I'm thinking, you know, this is my first sign there. I'm thinking, uh-huh. Yeah, that, you're like, what do you sell? Right. Right. What do you sell? Yeah, I've worked in the church. I know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it, man. If you've worked in a church, right. you know. <laughs> Here comes the cell. Yep. Oh, but that's awesome. I can genuinely say, holy shit, I fucking love those people. Right. I on, really man. do. I the other day I started, they have two meetings, one at one at noon my time, one at 12:15 my time. Uh, you know, twelve fifteen at night, twelve the, during the day. Ah, gotcha. The uh, the other Thursday, uh, it's nine o'clock for them. The other Thursday, I I was having my counseling session via Zoom, and I was like, man, we need to wrap this up. I need to go to a meeting. <laughs> 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 right on. That's yeah. good news, man. Because the people, you know, like I, I I've been reading this book lately called uh, The Craving Brain. I think it's called. Um, and it's, it's just so interesting how the human part of our DNA, right, is to gather together uh, for safety, right? Like it's mm-hmm. part of the, the human process, like since we were apes, right? Like it was, it's kind right, of part right. of our MO. It's tribal, uh, right. Yeah, it's very tribal. And so that's one of the reasons that uh, some researchers figure, have figured out. That's one of the reasons why the rooms work so well is because if we, if we go in there, we start feeling connection. And, and lots of, t- lots of people are, and I'm kind of a, a believer in this, but a lack of connection leads to more addiction, right? So 
Oh yeah. Why these, one of the reasons why these rooms work so well is because of our primal brain and how we crave being close to each other for safety secretly. Now this is in the backfield of our brain, right? Where we're not, everybody's going to be able to see that. And even if you mention it to them, they might be like, I don't quite understand that because it's obviously evolution is hard for people to swallow. Um, mm -hmm. especially yeah. if mm -hmm. they're, if they're believers, right? Right. Um, so I, it's just amazing to me because when you, like, as you're talking about it, it reminds me of that because you're the closer to the center of the group you get, the safer you are. Right. So, right. so as soon as people are in the middle, that's why we tell people don't stay on the outskirts because if you're on the outskirts, the lion's going to get you. Right. And, and for us, the lion is our chemical or our yeah. behavior, whatever that is. Um, and so it's incredible, man. Just the difference in, in you, right? Like how you, how you talk, how you, how you text, how you carry yourself. It's pretty cool, man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. And, you know, and you, you know, I'd, I'd had a problem with this and, and hopefully if, if there is somebody that, that is listening right now, uh, I really kind of wanted to key in on this, um, something I had to talk to you about that I was struggling with, with the meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, it, and I'm really, really glad that, uh, in our meeting, uh, it, this is the reason I stuck around this meeting is they read from somewhere, maybe the basic text mm -hmm. where it said that even atheists have come and yep. have found, you know, and that's why I, I, I contacted you because I'm, you know, I'm hearing people you, and, and I, and I don't care. I, you know, I'm of course not whatever i don't give a shit what you believe mm -hmm. um the way i always describe it is you know because i'm no longer a believer um mm -hmm. is you, you can play with your toys but don't expect me to play with your toys and you sure as shit better not try to make my kids play with your toys yeah um you know they can come to their own conclusion i don't care mm -hmm. but i'm also not going to knock what what what's getting you there i don't as long as yeah. it's getting you there but the reading they you know they read that and then i talked to you and you were like and you told me bro it's the process mm. it's the higher power is the process uh for 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 you at least the way you explained it yeah it's and, my it's a higher process That's yes mind-blowing yeah. it's it's kind of like it's your duty to the social contract mm. you know so that you can fulfill your end of the social contract with yeah. the world and I need to stay here. I need to stay clean to continue to fill, fulfill my responsibility to the rest of, the hum, of humanity. Mm -hmm. And if the rest of humanity is going to demand these things of me, I can't, there's no way I can, I can, I can falter and, and have that hunter get me again. You know, he's mm -hmm. out there sniping me, just yeah. waiting for me to slip up one time, peek my head up just yep. once above the blades or of grass. Or stray, stray off path. Like, yep. 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 Exactly. So I've really, I like that description, a hunter. That's that's apt. And that's yeah. the way I see it. You know, it's a hunter mind. who doesn't need to sleep, eat, or use the washroom. No, right. No. The hunter's just always waiting in the trees outside. Yeah. Yep. Fuck and, man, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's waiting for, and all I've got to do is fuck up once. Yep. Once. And 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 honestly, as time goes on, we can follow the path of fucking up, right? Back to that gorilla. That's right. waiting for us, right? Right. Um, like it might take as time goes on, and for each person, it's different, right? It could take 
a couple of weeks to fall off and then you're right there with the gorilla again or it takes three months or it takes six months and that's obviously part of the problem right is that some people can go back out and then come right back in right right, right. for them that's problematic right because how and i've seen this with people i work with of course for years is that when you when you go back out it's so hard to come back in and stay right? Yeah. Like it, it, it is so hard. And I see examples like you do probably every day, right? Of people who um, are coming back all the time. I'm grateful they're coming back. Absolutely. Because man, as long as there's breath in the lungs and you can walk through that door, you've got a fucking chance, right? Right. right. And, and that's pretty powerful shit, you know? And that's, that's the difference between us between 12-step fellowships and, and the fellowships that we are a part of and the doctor medical community, right? Is that right. we do give a shit about each right, other. Right, right, right. Not because everybody, we, no. but, but we do give a shit. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think both you and my counselor told me that, and, and I agree wholeheartedly, you know, NA is part of the answer. It's mm -hmm. not the answer. Well, it's it not the only answer. The yeah. Right. And it's not the only answer there. I mean, yeah. there's seeking safety, which I've done. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's the smart recovery there's, mm -hmm. and it's there, there's, there's more than one answer, but this answer is, is a proven answer and they're all proven yep. answers, you know, and that's, that's where the terminally unique thing comes in. Yeah. Is, you know, for the, yeah. for those that think. just describe right absolutely yeah. absolutely and that's one of the reasons i really like that saying from day one i like the saying of we keep what we have by giving it away mm. and i truly come have come to understand that because mm -hmm. i i don't know if I, I i asked you i probably did but i've asked every recovery doctor i've talked to or you know anybody that's in the, in the field i've said why when i first started why are you doing this why do you give a shit because yeah. i wouldn't want to deal with me yeah and they, they always have told me it's because, you know, of people like you that we give a shit. Now I get it. Now I get it. And I, I am dead set, dead fucking set on, um, you know, my, my counselor has, has helped me trying to uh, navigate the uh, uh, figuring out how to become a recovery coach. Mm -hmm. And then the career path that branches off from that. And I'm, you know, knowing me, I will follow that all the way to the end as far mm -hmm. as I can go because my heart is in it, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw the other day I was at the gas station with my mom and I look over and I just said, and I looked at my mom and I said, who's shooting up? And she looked over and she didn't see it. I knew, I knew exactly. What well, we know what that shit looks like. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if, you know, and my mom didn't respond with you. She responded with, oh, I just want to go over there and tell them that it can be okay. You know, mm -hmm. there's a better way. And that that's so heartwarming because it ripples out just like your addiction ripples out and touches everything, yeah. just oozes. When you start getting to recovery, I've noticed it ripples out and everybody else's life is positively impacted. My kids, my ex, fucking ex-wife, <laughs> my uh Dude, my anyone mom. can be, yeah, can be victim to our our the goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to our badness, right now they're just victims of our goodness. Right, and I'm cool with that. I'm yeah, man. Fuck, cool fuck it. But everybody's life is slowly changing for the better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not all 
great. And I can accept that now. Yeah. You know? I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm not where I was. Mm-hmm. And that's special. That's well, you're not special. running around chasing that thing, man. You know, like it's, and that is, that just changes lives, man. Right. Like the simple fact that you don't have to run around all day chasing that fucking dragon. Right. And um, like what a, and on top of that, you're not just not doing it. You're doing positive things that are right. going to, right. Like push you in a new things dimension. That I care, things that make me feel better about me. And I, I, yeah. I, uh, I, I, a couple of weeks in, I had thought, you know, the dude that I was, I would not want my kids around. I would not want my kids knowing or associating with, and my yeah. kids wanted to associate with me and that scared me. And I just, and I realized I want to become not only somebody that my kids admire, I want to be somebody mm-hmm. I admire. I yeah. want to be somebody I look at and go, damn, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. And so now, and that's part of that comprehensive life change. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I am slowly becoming, I admire what I'm doing, but I'm slowly becoming the person that I admire. Mm-hmm. And that's the process, man. Like what a, well said, well said, good, sir. <laughs> yeah, man. Like that. And that's what it's all about, right? Is like, we talk about, you know, um, if you want to feel self-esteem, like positive self-esteem, we have to do esteemable acts. There's no, we can't replace that, right? Like, I really like that. I yeah, really, well, I and, and I've heard, well, I didn't make it up. I heard it somewhere, probably <laughs> yeah. in a room somewhere, right? Um, right. But it, it's true. I've found it to be so true in recovery, man, that every time I face a decision, if I can give myself a pause first, usually I won't make the old decisions, right? I'll make mm. new decisions. Some, some decisions that are scary, right? Like, because this new life, requires vulnerability right um but it, al- it also requires yeah. a very like tough countenance right you have to have mm-hmm. tough skin um yeah. to be able to even just show our faces in places it's like we have to grow like lizard skin that really yeah. tough you know um like crocodiles almost mm-hmm. right because the places we've been by the time we sober up we be- we're so sensitive right? Um, without our drugs, without our chemicals, right. we become so hypersensitive uh, to the world. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly, man. The scab's gone. Now we're vulnerable, right? Uh, the different, the funny thing is, is that vulnerability is scary, but it will absolutely save our life, right? Mm-hmm. It'll ab- like you've experienced it, man. Uh, going to a Zoom meeting, right? Uh, halfway across the country. Um, Sharing that, for the first time. Dude, those are acts Holy of courage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like how, how, yeah, Sorry, no, no, dude, it's, it's okay. Like, uh, uh, you know, how, how awesome is it when you don't have to wallow in your own shit and you have people you can talk to, but like you said, that thousand pound phone, um, mm-hmm. that's because it weighs a thousand pounds because being vulnerable sucks, <laughs> right? Like being right. vulnerable and calling some stranger or relative stranger. Um, and relying on them to be compassionate that's scary shit man it really is it really is <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it's not our forte by the time we quit no. right like it's not stuff we're good at you know and somebody a long time ago and i've taken this with me for since then said you know if you've got appendicitis you're suffering you're suffering and eventually it will fucking kill you yeah the only way to get rid of it is to take a knife, cut you open, 
gouge that out and then take a needle and sew you back up. Mm -hmm. So the only way to do that is to cause a little bit more damage. And that damage, I think, is that, that vulnerability of, of opening yeah. myself up to, okay, this is going to fucking hurt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to you about the experiences that, that I had that led me to recovery fucking mm -hmm. hurt. And, you know, but the only way that I can get past that, the only way that I can, I can heal eventually is to let that incision happen, you know, to, to undergo that cutting, yeah. that removing of that dead, that dead tissue. So yeah, that, that vulnerability that you're speaking, I, that really, you know, that, that's. Thank you, I, man. I, I appreciate that so much, dude. Uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Oh yeah. Um, it's just been, it's been so good. And you know, dude, like I'm, as you're talking, I was thinking like, um, oftentimes like for me, remembering childhood is, is dangerous. Right. Um, right. but it's, it's nice to be able to connect the present to the past. Right. And mm -hmm. to be able to look at you, man, and, and just be able to talk with you. And, um, I'm just grateful you didn't write me off because you would have had every reason to write me off. And um, you know what, man, I would not be the same had you written me off. So I, I need to see the change in you, man. I, I appreciate that a lot. It, it uh, means a lot to me. Um, fuck man. It means a lot. Yeah. You have I, something to be proud of, David. You are thanks, so man. different brother. Thank really. you, man. I, I appreciate you, man. Saying that, uh, fuck, I appreciate it being different to be honest. Like I, when I was younger, I never thought that I'd be having any of these conversations with people, man. So, Isn't it great? Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm proud yeah. of you. I'm, I'm proud of you, brother. I'm proud oh, of thanks, you. Thanks, man. I really am. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm equally proud of you, man. I, Thank you. I haven't done anything, but I am so proud of you just like making all these hard choices. And, you know, it like for most people out there trying to get clean, it's hard and yeah. it takes perseverance, right? Like, because the world doesn't essentially give a shit um no. but like and and there's there's agencies of course that do and, and mm -hmm. people that do but the world at large doesn't really give a shit and so it it's definitely up to us as addicts to get to try to get well but it's also up to others to um to be helpful and useful mm -hmm. and compassionate towards us um especially our suffering brothers and sisters who are still running around chasing that ship yeah you know? absolutely um, absolutely the last thing we need is ju more judgment in our lives right okay yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway man i don't want to keep you all night uh i really appreciate you you coming on this means a hell of a lot to me robert and me too this has been one of my goals in recovery it's kind of oh me. dude this uh, honestly unbelievable man i i didn't I realize that was a goal for you oh, so yeah. that's that's uh that makes me well, obviously it makes me feel pretty good. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah.